it's so lucky to be with you guys. But the Lord, uh, as we were worshiping uh, and in this atmosphere, I just clearly heard the voice of the Lord say we must talk about something different. And I just laid it on uh, James and, and Hendra as well. So yeah, just with the Lord's blessing. So if it does seem a little bit underprepared, it is one of the messages. It's a strange thing. I had this message in my little folder for the whole week. And every time I think by myself, I want to take this thing out because it's something that I preached uh, uh, before and I think it's not necessary, but I leave it in there. And as we were sitting uh, or standing in, in the worship, I just clearly heard the voice of the Lord say, we want to come and speak about this. So sorry, A.V., we're going to do something different. You can, I hope you can keep up. I'm going to give you the scriptures as we go along and then we'll just see how the Lord takes this. But it, I think it's much more important that we hear his voice uh, over anything else. Uh, yeah, so can I pray for myself here? <laughs> just close our eyes. Lord, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that whatever flows from this next, well, maybe 50 minutes, who knows? Lord Jesus, that you will just be in it, Lord. I just pray, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, lead so that we will hear your voice in all of this, Lord. We are for you, Lord. We are chasing after you. We are seeking you, Lord, and nothing else in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We're going to speak about the authority of Jesus. And as we were standing in worship, and some of the words that just came through and some of what they shared, I just felt that there's something of the Lord that wants to help us uh, shed some things tonight. Um, shed some things that we've been walking with. Shed some weights that we've been walking with. Maybe there's something that has been chaining you for a while. And I really believe that Jesus wants to come and do something very special in some of our hearts tonight. Are you open to that? So we're going to speak about the authority of Jesus now. Wim Wilmere, you guys know Wim Wilmere. Sadly, he passed away earlier. Um, but he famously said this. He said that 90% of our journey and our walk with God is my responsibility. And 10% is God's ability. And then he, he went further to say that when God brings his 10%, when he brings that, it's like an atomic bomb that goes off. And all I need, my 90% is surrender, submit, being obedient, and then Jesus comes with his authority, with his 10%, and he does things in us through his Holy Spirit that we are just not able to do. Because the fact of the matter is I cannot change myself. I cannot change myself, no matter how hard I try, you know, and you've got this books, uh, self-help books and the stuff, self-raking and all of these things. And I think even you guys as students, you know, you are confronted with a lot of stuff that I was never confronted with. These self-help tools and these new things that they bring in how to, to um, yourself better to mark and living a better you and all of these things. But the factor of the matter is, it's only Jesus that can do something in us. And when we say authority, when, what does it mean when we speak about authority? And there's a lot of different themes but for, or, or, or definitions of authority. But for this evening, authority to me is that ability, that ability and the power to govern and to influence something that that person that is in that place cannot do himself. It is something, an authority that comes from the outside that changes you. You are the recipient of that thing of change. Does it make sense? You get me. So it is the power and the ability to change something through rule 
or governance or through influence. And that is authority. And I think in our early experience in life, as we grew up, we got different experiences of authority, all of us. We grew up with teachers and principals and, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but I went to school in the, in the, when was it, 1990s, we were in high school. And whenever Meneer van Graan walked into the classroom, uh, the, the, uh, no offense to the ladies, but sometimes we, 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 as the jyfrou was, we would still be, and we would be, but as Meneer van Graan ingestapt, he carried with him some authority. You had exit rechop, and you kijk nie of jou maaikie langs, and it was just this, he carried something with him, with an authority that knew that if I stepped out of line now, I would be in trouble. And that's something, and also we, 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 we see authority in the world around us through our government. But the thing is with that is it's sometimes a very corrupted authority. And sometimes it has this way of skewing our thoughts and our idea of what good authority is. Because it is, it's something as I want to punish you. You know? And then he wants to punish you for that. And you get written a ticket. And it's a good thing. We need that in our lives. I mean, what chaos will break out if we don't have authority, if we don't have government, and if we don't have principles in our schools? So it is something that we need as people. But it does give us a bit of a skewed authority when we look at Jesus, when we look at God the Father. And the first one... The basis that we need to, we, we, we're never allowed to go beyond the foundation of Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the foundation of everything that we preach about, that we believe, and that we live out. So we're going to start it off there, Matthew 28, verse 18. I don't know how quick you are, otherwise I'll just read it. Uh, I don't want to put all the emphasis on her for the remainder of the evening. I'm just going to read it. Is it okay? Is it okay? Sorry for my Afrikaans. Is there any people that only understand English? Aww. <laughs> Is it up? Yay, kudos. He says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's almost like I want to drop the mic from there. It's like, this is, there's two things that's very important there. All authority. We need to understand what all authority means. And it's not just authority in heaven, all authority in heaven. When we get to, to leave this earth and this is a new heaven and the new earth that was formed and Jesus has come with his second coming, then we will be under his authority. He says, no, all authority in heaven and on earth is in, has been given to me. And that's important for us to see that because what happens is Jesus gave, gave us free will. Yeah? He gave us free will. We can decide. You know, there's authority over me when I drive my car. And the authority says I must drive 60 in some zones. But I can choose to go 80. It's still my, my free will. So when we don't see authority operating in a certain place in heaven or on earth, is it because Jesus doesn't have authority or because I'm maybe out of place in my own life? And it's important for us to understand that. Because oftentimes we look at our lives and something goes wrong, or I'm not leading, you know, something is not so lacquer. And then I look and I want to complain to the Lord, and I want to say, Lord, what have you done? Why, Lord? Why is all these things happening? Why am I struggling to walk this life? Why is this not falling into place? And why am I struggling in these areas? Why am I still struggling with sin? 
Why am I struggling with the baggage and with fear and with shame and all of these things? And the question is, have you surrendered that aspect to Jesus' authority? And do you understand his authority in that? So all authority. And then the second thing, I love this part, the fact that it has been, you can keep that scripture up, the fact that it has been given. Who gave it to him? Who gave Jesus the authority? I was almost stolen. It's not a trick question. It's God the Father. <laughs> it's not a trick question. God the Father, the Creator, the Almighty. And it's important for us to trace it back to that. Because it brings motive to this whole thing. It brings the heart of a father to this whole thing. Why did he give Jesus authority? Because God says he loved the world so much that he didn't want any one of us to, 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 to perish, but it, all of us would be saved. So love is behind the fact that God gave and placed his authority in his son Jesus. And it's not just a willy-nilly powered thingamajiggy. It's the God Almighty, the one that created the universe. I don't know if you guys saw uh, a week or two ago, they've got new pictures. And there's a, it feels every now and then they've got new pictures with some kind of a telescope. But they've got new pictures with a telescope now that is going into the far reaches of the universe where they basically, where new stars are being formed every second. And what is the, and I, and I had the picture, I wish I could show, I've got it on my phone, but, it, but the, where, where, where the new stars are being formed at this moment, there's a, a thing that they call, I don't know what they call it, it's, but it looks to me like the hand of God, literally. I'm going to show it, and then you can show it on the groups afterwards that the guys can see I'm not, I'm not lying here. But it looks like the hand of God that billions and billions of light years away from here, these new stars and new parts of the universe being formed as we are speaking now. And it's that same God that has made everything, that gave us breath to even breathe on this earth, that good God that we just sang about, it is Him that gave the authority to His Son, Jesus. And in my little mind, in my little mind, I've got this moment in my own thoughts, and I don't know, it doesn't say clearly in the scriptures, or I just don't know my scriptures that well, so maybe it did happen, but in my mind, when Jesus went, uh, when he died on the cross, because that is what his obedience was, God only gave him that authority because he was obedient to the Father's voice and the Father's instruction, and then Jesus went and he died. And he went into the gates of hell, and he went to go and defeat death on our behalf. He went to defeat sin on our behalf. That was the battle that was won. And then there's this moment in my own little mind where I believe Jesus rose from the dead, where the Holy Spirit, it says, gave him his life back. He resurrected him from the dead. It was God's Spirit that breathed life into Jesus again. And I believe that in that moment, as God looked at his son, and that was he, the son of Jesus that was, that was obedient until the end, that did everything his father expected of him. There was this moment where God gave this authority to his son, and he says, I want you, and listen to this, I want you to go and love them with this authority. I want you to go and love them with this authority. And there's a, a prayer that Paul pray, prays, the prayers. There's a prayer that Paul prays, and there's something of, I feel when I, I'm going to read the whole scripture, it's a big piece of scripture in Ephesians 1, 
that Paul prays this. But I feel something of God's heart for us. Why did he give Jesus this authority? There's something for us in this. And listen carefully. Close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes as you listen to this. Paul says this. I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And his incomparably great power for us. For us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and all authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And verse 22 says this, And God placed all things under his feet, and it appointed him to be head over everything, and listen to this, for the church, which is his body in the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And when I looked at it, you can open your eyes. When I looked at this scripture, I looked about the beauty of this authority that Jesus has in his hands, this power that he has in his hands. And his first inclination, what to do with this power, is not to rule over the world, but is to come to you and I, his body, his church, his bride, and bring us into places that we cannot take ourselves. And that's a beautiful authority. That's not an authority that wants to ruin us. It's not an authority that wants to blame us and put condemnation in us. That's an authority that wants to free us. And take us into the more of him. That wants us to fall more and more in love with the person of Jesus. Because that authority doesn't come just by something that we read. It's not in a book. It's not in a teaching that you will hear. You will only experience it when you experience the person of Jesus. Because he's the one that carries it in his hands. He's the one that gives it when it's necessary. I want to go to four areas. I want to go to four areas that Jesus himself said where he wants his authority to step into our lives, where his love steps into our lives. And it's, we see it in Luke 4. It's actually a prophecy that was gone out about Jesus in Isaiah already, Isaiah 55. And then Jesus comes and he opens the scroll in the synagogue and he reads it about himself. And then he ends up saying, this is I, I am the one that Isaiah talked about. But we're going to fo focus on four areas. Luke 4 verse 18 to verse 19. Yeah, I'm just going to read it and then you can pick up. It says this, the spirit of the Lord, he's speaking about himself, speaking about Jesus. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to, for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. And then verse 19 says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There's four things in that, in that verse. 
That is so important. That's the areas where the Lord Jesus wants to come with his authority and change us. And we can still stand by elke ene van hulle. The first one is good news to the poor. And the Bible teaches us that we are all born into sin. We are all born without God in our lives. It's Adam and Eva's fault. It's their fault. They brought it in. But the funny thing is, is they didn't do it. I promise you it would have been you or me. It's one of us would have, would have bitten into that apple. That's, that's for sure. Because we've got a sinful nature. <clears throat> There's something in us that wants to rebel against God and wants to rebel against Him. And so what happened is, is we get to born into poverty, spiritual poverty, all of us. We get born into a world, and when we get born into this world, we are spiritually poor. And Jesus says, I want my authority to step into your lives, and I want to proclaim good news, the gospel of my freedom, of my forgiveness, the gospel of justification. And that's a big one. It's a big one, justification, that we can stand in front of God with sin, because we are still going to sin. Even after we just confessed, I just repented, Lord. And I walk out of here, and there's a good possibility that I will make another blunder. I will stumble maybe again. But God says that through his son, and through the blood of his son, when he looks at me, he sees his son. Because I'm covered in his blood. Because I am in his son. And that's the gospel to the poor. Because without him... We're standing in front of God, and the Bible says this, arm and beklanswaardig, poor and naked in front of him, without his son Jesus. And that is the good news, that Jesus comes and he clothes us. When we give our lives to Jesus, to him to come and rule in our lives, to bring governance and influence and authority into our lives, we basically give and he clothes us. He doesn't bring us this set of rules and say, no more you do no more, but no, he first comes. And then he clothes us with his love and his compassion. The other thing that he does is he brings us into family. And we, I shared something with the 4 p.m. congregation. We, previously in our life, and even before I met Leonie, we didn't really have family. We didn't know what family was. Not in terms of blood family, but church family. And we were so poor in the way, the only way that we could deal with things, the only way that we dealt with things was very much on our own because we didn't know what church family was. We never experienced it. And what was so amazing is, is when we stepped into a healthy church and when we found healthy authority through the church, oh man, we got friends. <laughs> we got friends. Yelalach. There was times when we looked at each other on a Friday evening and it was not Akinle only, and we said, we've got no friends. I said, if for your hours, for some my hours, we don't have any friends. And the thing is, we could have made easy friends. If you went to the bar, we had a bear in Berlin, Grabo. Die Brannewein Gordijn. All my friends was there. So I could have made easy friends, but they weren't going to be real friends, not family. And suddenly we became wealthy 
And I had brothers and sisters in my life that I could speak to and I could be accountable to and I could be transparent with. And it changed our lives. It changed our lives. So there's good news to the poor. The second one, what Luke 4 says, he brought freedom for prisoners. And the thing about a prisoner, we have to know this. A prisoner is a prisoner because he was stoutgewees. He's guilty of something. You will not end up, and I'm not talking about the guys that he's been wrongfully, I'm talking about the prisoners that should be in prison. Yeah. I'm not talking about your uncle that says, I could not do We are a prisoner because sometimes I do stuff. And sometimes in my growing up, sometimes in my varsity days, sometimes in this week, I do stuff. I stumble. I do something that I perhaps should not have been doing, that is outside of the authority of Jesus, that doesn't have his influence written on it, that doesn't have his love written on that. And then I'm guilty for what I've done. And the thing is, and the problem is, is sometimes, not always, but sometimes it imprisons me. And it puts me in a place where that thing that I did imprisons me. And I want to share just something out of my own life and how my actions imprisoned me in an area. And it was quite a few years ago, so when only... <gasps> It was quite a few years ago, but still, it's very real. I was actually married to Leonie. It was before married. I, I, I went to the university, very much where a lot of you guys are. And I remember that first six months, I went there and I came out of high school very much covered uh, in, uh, I had a very sheltered upbringing. I had never drank any alcohol I smoked some cigarettes with my sister because she was very naughty from time to time. So that, that was basically it. But I didn't know anything about anything else other than that. I never kissed a girl. Never kissed a girl. I was... Thanks. That was... It's unfair. David had a cheerleader. Where's David's cheerleader? Can you cheer for me as well? Huh? Oh, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on. And what happened is I remember that first six months of, of, of university in Cape Town. I was like, I mean, I had my Bible with me. And I said, listen, I am going to be strong in this thing. And I had these scriptures lined out about Daniel going into Egypt. I had my scriptures about Joseph in Egypt. And every evening as the guys went out to party... I would sit in my room and I said, Lord, you got to help me through this time in Egypt. And I prayed for the other guys. And I, man, it was just, I, I really felt strong in that time. And then there was this one evening where one of my friends that I made, they say, I, my nickname was Thierry. It's because I'm so skinny. Afrikaans guys should, uh, you know Buck and Thierry? Buck and Thierry, yeah, yeah, there's one guy that knows that. Now, I was Thierry. And my friend said to me, hey, Willem, come out with us. And there was compromise in my heart. And I thought, maybe just one evening, maybe just one evening, what's the worst that can happen? Famous last words. 
And I remember I went with him, and I ordered, uh, what was it, a Hunter's Red, because I couldn't face beer. Beer was bitter. I tasted one of the beers of my friends that evening, but it was so bitter. It was haha. And then, then this guy said, no, man, you must drink a cider. That's, that's, that's going to be better. Anyway, long story short, I didn't stop drinking after that. And it's not my proudest moment, to be quite honest with you, because I kind of went in my own heart and in my relationship with Jesus. Something happened in that point. And I think what happened is I totally misunderstood his authority at that point. And I felt a lot of shame in front of him. I still served him, loved Jesus at that point. Really, I loved him. But I, there was something that was torn in my heart because suddenly I loved this new introduction to this new friend that I made called alcohol. And there was something of me that, that found something new in myself. It, it helped me because I was a very insecure little young man at that point. And something in me, the, the alcohol helped me just to step a little bit out of who Willem was. It helped me just to be a little bit more out there. And people started to like me a little bit more. And, I, and there was just a, an acceptance amongst people. And suddenly, I was a prisoner. And what happened is, is after, after that, I even left university, but I drank a little bit more, and I drank a little bit more, and at some point, I couldn't stop. And at some point, I had this problem where, mostly on weekends, but I don't want to go into that, the details of that, but the fact of the matter is I couldn't stop, even if I wanted to. And I will never forget that tornness in me, loving Jesus, but sitting with a problem. And that's where, where that word that came out earlier, sometimes you come and you feel so filthy in front of him. And then you just want to run out of this place. You don't want to sit here because you feel icky. You feel, how can I stand in front of you, Lord? You know what I did last night? And, and, and many Saturday evenings, I would drink. And I even married Leonie at that point. And what I would do is because she, uh, 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 I know that alcohol was something that she didn't want me to drink too much. So what I did is I would drink one glass or two glasses of wine in front of her, and I would have a bottle in the room, and I would drink the rest of, the, of, of my evening drinking, I would drink it in the room. And here by 10 o'clock in the evening, I would start lisping and talking nonsense and just not being myself. And then I would start lying to her. No, I can't And I, it would make me such a deceptive person. And I remember how it actually in the inside, it tore me to pieces when I got in church on a Sunday morning. And sometimes I will even have the smell of alcohol on my own breath. It's such a weird thing. I will remember I stood in worship and I would just to see if I can smell because I didn't want any other person because I was ashamed of this thing that got hold of me and I was a prisoner. And then Jesus came. Now I want to throw a big spotlight in because there was a big spotlight on me now, but I want to change the spotlight back to Jesus now. And then Jesus came, and he showed me a different way. He helped me first to realize, why are you drinking? And there was insecurity things, and the Lord started to restore that. And the Lord started to restore and bring healing in those areas where I was so insecure. And then Jesus came, and he started to teach me about myself. It was amazing. I realized I didn't know how to handle stress. I, I, on a Friday evening, I, I work in the fruit export industry. And I'm telling you, at times, it's a high-stressed environment. 
you're working with perishables, you're working with people that don't serve the Lord around you. And I was taught the guy that makes the biggest noise gets the most action. And so on a Friday evening, there will be a knot on my stomach of stress, of note, and I would not have any other way to take that knot away than to have alcohol. And Jesus taught me and he showed me and said, hey, there's another way. Surrender that to me. I want to come in with my influence, with my authority that loves you so much, and I want to break you free from this prison. And I'll never forget the first time that I really experienced, not just knowing, because up until that point, Jesus showed me my own heart, and that's a beautiful process where he teaches you about yourself. But there came a time where I had to submit to the power of Jesus. And I'll never forget that first time when I experienced the power of Jesus walking into my situation and bringing a power and an authority where I didn't have it in myself. And I sat behind a wheel. I always had my routine. Friday evenings, I would sit in the car and I had the choice to make. I either go to the liquor store or I go home. That was my choice. And remember what we said earlier, we all have free will. And sometimes we don't see the authority of Jesus in an area. Is it because Jesus' authority is not there or because it's, I'm, not, I'm not surrendered? I didn't submit it to him. And I'll never forget that moment where Jesus said, I want to bring power into this thing now. And I sat behind that wheel. And I grasped at the wheel. And I started crying. I said, Lord Jesus, I need you to help me make this decision now. I know I need to go home, Lord, but everything in me wants to go to the liquor store. And the conviction of the Lord just came over me. I literally felt a power over me in that moment. And I was able to go home. And after that, his authority came in other ways. It wasn't every Friday the same thing. After that, he, he, he brought a guitar over my life. I started playing guitar Friday evenings. And music helped me to take this knot out of my stomach. Whenever when I get home now and I feel stressed, I run to worship. And I, it, yeah, I won't say it's worship, but it's my own little thing with him. <laughs> but I want to say there is freedom. And I know there's people sitting here. You've got struggles. There's some prisons that you are captured in. Just allow. Your role is obey, obey and surrender tonight. Nothing more than that. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to bring your battle axe to the party. Tonight, you just have to surrender and obey. So there's going to be an opportunity. I want you guys to respond to this word so bad. Because I know a lot of us. I struggle, but I need to go on. Hoeveel tijd het, kan ek maar aangaan. Ach, lekker man. The recovery for sight for the blind. Walking in the light is the second thing that saved me. I was a guy that was, and I'm going to get to that. Yeah, I don't want to jump the gun. I'm going to get to my pride in just a moment. But what happened is, is because of pride... I felt shame with anything that I did outside of Jesus. So anything, man, if I just misstepped a little bit, shame would come over me. And the thing is, is that that thing keeps you in a place that you don't share your problems and your issues and your struggles with others around you. And the problem is, is the Bible says when you put a bucket over your sin, you can't get free from that. 
And, by, and Jesus wants to come, and he wants to put people around you. That's why it's so beautiful seeing all of you guys. Did fo you found church. Well done for that. I want to almost give you a round of applause. You found church, and you placed yourselves. How many of you guys are in community groups? Most of you guys. And I want to say to you, that is God's heart, God's love, His authority shining through that community group. His authority through your eldership and through the deacons in your church. Not to lord over you and to watch over every move that you make, but it is to keep your life in the light. Because when your life is in the light, Jesus can work in areas where He cannot work while it's still in the dark. It's as easy as that. And again, all that you need to do is obey and surrender. And I think tonight might be, for some of you, an opportunity where you can bring some light into your situation, into that thing that has kept you prisoner. And it's your test tonight. It's your test tonight. Am I going to be obedient? Am I going to step out and take this, <clears throat> this bucket off of this thing? Am I going to allow the light of Jesus and his authority to step into that. Because I promise you, if I did only that car thing and only my guitar and only my worship, I most probably would have been drinking again. Most probably. But it is because of transparency and the value of transparency with others and with my leaders that has kept me in a safe place. Transparency with my wife. I'm telling her now, Liffy, I guess less for drunk. And I could be honest with her. I could never do that before. But just because of that, because I'm walking in the light, Jesus can come and he can come and change that in me. The last thing. He came to set the oppressed free. And the first one that we said is, is that you sometimes are a prisoner because you were naughty. Who knows? Leave that up to the Holy Spirit. Hackers no state, sorry. He came to set the oppressed free. And the thing, the difference between the oppressed and the prisoner is this. The prisoner did some stuff. Sometimes there's consequences to the stuff that we do. A person that is oppressed often... It's not your fault. Often, it's things that happen with you. And we get to work with people now. We planted this church in Krobo, and, and we're working with a lot of broken people, and even ourselves that are broken. <laughs> Me. I'm going to show you just now how broken we all are. But we work with people, and we hear stories of when they were younger, and stuff that happened with young girls, and sometimes stuff that happened a little bit later on, and, and just some things that happen that skew you, that break you, and that makes a brokenness in you, in your heart, and in your life. And then sometimes through those things that happen to you, through your experiences, something breaks at knuck, and only Jesus can come. And he can mend that broken reeds. He can come and mend that brokenness in you. Because that brokenness often oppresses us. We work sometimes with people, and then something happens 
They were molested when they were younger. And then they, as they grow up, just because of that, and sometimes they forget it. Our minds sometimes block these things out. And when we do counseling and deliverance, the Holy Spirit reminds them. And suddenly they start crying and we ask, what's going on? Said the Holy Spirit just reminded me of something that happened when I was five years old. And then that person walks around in this life and they feel shame whenever they walk around. Wherever they go, they feel this intense shame and they don't know where it comes from. And they're being oppressed, they're being held down, they're being held captive because of something that they didn't do. But they are still oppressed and they're walking with the consequences of that. Sometimes we grow up and people can be nasty. People can reject you in various ways. Sometimes our parents divorce when we're in school and that brings on us a sense of rejection that many other things in this life doesn't have the same degree of rejection than divorce makes. And rejection has a fruit when you get later on in your life, then suddenly you come to a church family like this, you walk into a room like this, and you always feel, I don't belong anywhere. I don't feel at home anywhere. I can be in a room full of people, and I would feel, I don't belong here. And The problem is I see so often people running away from church and running away from healthy relationships because of rejection that they experienced earlier in their life. And Jesus' authority wants to come in, and he wants to set that free. I want to show you, just share one last story of my own life. And it's about pride. I did say I was going to share it now. And the Lord, and this is more recent, and sometimes it's easy to talk about the battles of the past, but it's not so easy to talk about the battles that we're currently busy with. But I do feel, I, I, my prayer is, Lord Jesus, that just in this story, that it might just break open something in your heart that will bring something of just a courage for you to say, hang on, if Jesus could do it for him, he can do it for me. And you see, I had pride in my life until very recently. It was a very strong power in my life. And the thing is, pride sometimes comes in different forms. I was not the type of pride that will walk into this room and I would have this duck stem and say, hello, 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 hello. My name is Willem and I am going to preach your socks off today. Uh, it's not the type of pride that I had. The type of pride that I had would make me insecure. It would be like, almost like a false humility. Often I would rather say, no, you'd rather do it. I, I, I'll stand back. It would bring, bring a sense, a false sense of humility. But what it also would have done is on the outside, it will be very insecure. But on the inside, it will bring competition in my heart. I would see other people running for Jesus and something in me want to keep up to their pace. Something in me wants to do it at the same pace as the other because I don't want to fall behind because of that thing. And then the Lord came. And he made us plant a church, for goodness sakes. Sometimes you look at the Lord and say, Lord, what were you thinking? And what happened is, is we planted with two other person, people. 
Sean of Gordon's Bay, Sean Searle and Chantel, and Yaku and Kim Dippenar of, of uh, Hermanus. And I started to feel something in my heart. When it was time to give through the numbers of church, I would look at what are they doing? Oh, Lord, they're up to 60 people. We're still on 40. Lord, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? And it oppressed me in a way. It put me in a little box where I was unable to run with the freedom in this church plant that the Lord wanted me to run. Because I was looking at the wrong things. Suddenly competition started rising in my heart. And the thing is, I didn't see it completely. It was kind of a blind spot. I would have these thoughts. And the best that I would do is I would just say, shut up, Willem. Oh, just shut up, Willem. Because I hated these thoughts. I don't like it. And I would go around and I would say, oh, go away. Oh, go away. And I never let the authority of Jesus step into that. I would even... I shared it with the guys in Somerset West as well. I would even have these thoughts, weird thoughts, man. And you would look at it and you would say, where is this, this coming from? You would have these thoughts coming into your heart. I, I wonder if I'm going to preach at the next conference. You know, this, it's weird. I mean, if you're in my shoes, you would know it's a weird. Someone caught it. But it's, that's what pride does. And pride sets you up. Pride sets you up and it brings in thoughts, it brings in a heart attitude where you are constantly comparing yourself to others, where you are constantly looking at what are others doing, and then it brings a performance in you. It brings a performance that when the other guys are, go, are growing, then suddenly I'm on my Facebook and I'm just advertising Krabo. Oh, come to Krabo, Josh Jen. And I would send WhatsApps that next morning and I would just double my coffee dates with the guys because I need to get, make sure that everybody comes to this church. And it brings a performance out in us that is not of the Lord. And then suddenly, two or three months ago, probably for the fourth or the first time, something in me, through pride and through performance, I just felt that maybe... And it was when Sean Soul started talking about full, going full-time. And suddenly this full-time thing started chasing me. Oh, Lord, they're going full-time. Should I be doing full-time, Lord? Am I missing your calling here? Am I not being stepping in the, your plans that you have for me? Lord, I'm falling behind. I'm missing the mark, Lord. Surely I'm missing the mark. I'm wasting my time in this job, Lord. I should be going full-time. I should be going, putting all my, my attention into this thing. And I gathered my mom and Leonie, I gathered them on a Tuesday evening and they came and I said to them, listen, I want you guys to pray with me now because I want to go and see Ross, he's our hub leader. I want to go and see Ross tomorrow because I feel that the Lord is saying to me, I should go full time. And don't you just want to pray with me and hear the Lord in this? And my mom looked at me and because she struggled with the same thing that I struggled with with many years and she got freedom from it, she saw it in me. I didn't see the blind spot. And she looked at me and said, She said, See, and she just showed it to me. She showed me what I'm saying. She showed me the thoughts that it's what I'm carrying in my heart. And when I saw it, I broke. I said, Lord, my word. And I chased my mom out. I said, Go, 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 go. <laughs> oh, my God. I said, Go. And that next morning, 
at five o'clock, the Lord woke me up and I sat in front of the Lord. And I broke in front of the Lord. I said, Jesus, I didn't see it the way that I see it now. I didn't see how this thing captured my heart. It captured my attention. It oppressed me in a way that I just didn't see, but I see it now. And I went to sit in front of Jesus. And I felt the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus come over me. And it's the first time in my life that I experienced the deliverance of my own. I prayed for many people before then. And we saw manifestations and demons fleeing. It was absolutely amazing. But it was the first time in my life where I felt something lift off of me. And when he left, I sobbed in front of the Lord and I cried. And I felt a freedom that I have never, ever experienced before. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. He came to bring good news to the poor. He came to bring freedom to prisoners. And I want you guys to just close your eyes. We don't have a lot of choices in this. We don't have a lot of ways to go in this. There's two responses to this. It's either you surrender or you resist. That's the two responses that you've got now. And I know there's an opportunity in this place tonight where Jesus wants to come. And he wants to set some of us free. He wants to open some eyes to something that you may be not even seeing yourself. But I also believe the Lord wants to rally his body, his people around you tonight. And so if there's anyone, can I, can I go on, James? Do you want to, can I go on, Han? If there's anybody here tonight that there's an area in your life where you, actually I first want to, is there anybody here that has never given their lives to Jesus? Because that's the first step. We cannot experience any of the authority of Jesus if we haven't invited him into our lives. So I want to ask you just quickly, just raise your hands. If there's anyone here that has not given their life to Jesus, just raise your hand quickly. I just want to pray with you quickly. Any person? Okay, good. So I'm going to trust that all of us have given our lives to Jesus. So I want to ask you, if there's any person here this evening, and the Lord has been speaking to you, he showed you an area where the enemy has caught you in his grip, that there's something in your life that hasn't got the authority of Jesus on it yet. And Jesus wants to free you of that tonight. I want you guys to respond to that. I wonder if someone can maybe just come and play something and just uh, create some, some atmosphere. I, I don't want to work on your emotions. That's not what the atmosphere is. But I love how the softness of Jesus, the love of Jesus sometimes come through music. And I do believe this is such a loving moment. This is a love moment. This is not a moment where we're going to see sparks flying and and Jesus, uh, this is a love moment. So I want to ask you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to come to the front, actually, if that's okay with you guys. I want you guys to come to the front because I really believe God wants to rally some people around you. God wants to bring some people in behind you that's going to trust with you tonight for this thing that you are carrying with you to break. The, body, the Lord wants to put the body of believers, the priesthood of believers with the beautiful gifts representing Him, the fullness of Him. He wants to put that around you tonight. 
as he brings you into freedom. So who's going to be first? Who's going to be first? Here we go. Who's going to be second? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come. Come. The Lord is here tonight, and His freedom is here for all of us that is seeking Him. His freedom is here with all of us that needs Him tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just come. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to kick it off before we're going to... How many leaders do we have in the house that can come and pray? Just raise your hands. How many leaders are in the house that can... Come leaders and... All right. All leaders. I just want to lead you before I hand over to the guys to come and pray for you. There is just something that comes with a heart of repentance. There's something beautiful that Jesus does as we come to him and we just come and bow before him and say, Jesus, I just firstly, if it's maybe something that I did, maybe I am a prisoner because it was my mistake. It was my fault. And let's just come to him before we come with everything else. And if there's something that it's your mistake, we can just bring it to him. Because the Bible says that when we come and we repent, Jesus is faithful to forgive us. And you know what happens after forgiveness? Boldness comes. Boldness comes. And then we come into the throne room of our Father. And then we can come with courage and boldness and say, Father, I want you to bring freedom in this area. So just come, just close your eyes with me. You can just say it after me. Lord Jesus, I want to come, Lord. And I want to bring this thing, Lord, that brought separation between you and me. And I want to come and lay it at your feet tonight, Jesus. And I want to repent. And I want to say I'm sorry, Jesus. I want to say I'm sorry, Jesus. I want to also come, Jesus. If it's something that has happened to me, if it's someone who hurt me, I want to forgive them. I want to forgive them. I want to set them free right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Jesus says that now he is faithful to forgive. And Jesus, as we are kneeled before you and just coming before you surrendered, we just want to accept your forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. We want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And now we're going to pray for you guys. I want to ask the guys that it comes in front of you and that connects with you. I don't want you to just go off praying. Ask the person that is standing in front of you, why are you standing here? All right. Why are you standing here? It's such an important question. Don't just go and pray for them. And let's trust the Lord that tonight some shackles will be broken off and some of us will be walking in freedom out of these doors. Is it good? Amen. Amen.